0: Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast, with Borg, Bats, and a baller. What's up?
1: We're back. The Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast, Wednesday, October 11th. I'm your host, Kyle Borgannoni, and I am joined
0: by Jason Moore and Matthew Bats. back in the saddle. Was that Matthew did bats? You say Matthew bats? Yeah, it was definitely Matthew <laughs> bats. I think Kyle's got too much baseball on the brain right now. You know, it's playoff baseball. He's like, "Oh, Matthew now batting Matthew bats." Matthew bats.
2: <laughs> I thought my headphones like glitched or my internet glitched for a second. I was like, "Did he just Okay, yep, yeah, he did just say that." All right, yeah. You know, so yeah, Matthew bats here with you for some playoff baseball talk.
1: I'm okay with that because my Braves are playing your Phillies this week and Jason's Diamondbacks are also doing
0: quite well. It's kind of fun. Don't you dare! Don't you dare! You're Diamondbacks. That on me. Die hard. I am. Die hard. I, uh, I don't fan. do baseball. It's kind of fun yeah, though. It's kind of fun. Yeah, right I, I I like for the place where I live that the Diamondbacks are playing well, but I don't. I don't care. Let's talk
1: football. We do have a lot to talk about when it comes to football. And I was out this past week, so on Dynasty Podcast, you got to tell me, bets did Andy and Mike hold it down? That was the first time we've had that triumvirate together
2: yeah it was a first for the three of us you know uh Andy was not the best in the host role he's a little inexperienced in that as you guys know so that was a little struggle for everyone to listen through but yeah man it was fun we talked some dynasty trade targets for contenders if you needed a a guy to go and go out and get uh we talked David Montgomery he had a good week we talked Adam Thielen he had a good week then we also talked about some guys that you could get for a rebuild so it was fun
1: well I was on the beach but I was making some trades with Al Borland we traded away DeAndre Swift. We traded away Aaron Jones. Going full tank job. I heard. So,
2: did he tell you he texted me
0: about Aaron Jones?
1: He did tell me that he needed a backup. Jason made a little play at DeAndre Swift, but I feel like he knew it wasn't really going to happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, I uh, I was trying to, you know, acquire on the cheap and um grow my team, but it worked out for both of us cuz I was able to make a different move that I think is better for my team.
1: Yeah. We, we've got five firsts, firsts next year. So 2024, what a year that will be. Um, we are glad you're with us on this Dynasty podcast. On this show, we're going to be talking about Dynasty bounce back, some players in week five that went nuclear. Nuclear? Nuclear? Nuclear. Nuclear. Man, my sinus stinks right now. We're going to talk about some players that went off in week five and what that means moving forward, and then also discuss why it's so easy after a month into the season to fall into some traps with certain players and just say, this is who they are, knowing that we have a bigger sample size. But to start the show out, gentlemen, I get to do one of my favorite things, my, one of my favorite things possible in uh, hosting a podcast. I want to play a game.
0: <sighs> Jason, do you love that drop? Because Betts hates it. So I love the drop. Uh, but I hate the game. Now, here's here's the thing. When you get to play this game as the host of the game, which I've done many times, it is a delight. It is so much fun when you get to be the one to terrorize the other gentlemen on the podcast, making them sound ridiculous, feel ridiculous, while also enlightening the audience. Now, I saw what this game was just now, just a minute ago. I know your game. And this is, this is not going to go well for, for really anyone. Yeah. Bets, you hate it. I mean,
2: I I don't mind it when I know it's coming, but Kyle has done this on the DFS pod with me before where, you know, especially on our off season episodes, he won't even tell me that it's happening. He'll just put the, put the drop in and say, Hey, surprise. And then I have no clue what we're going to talk about. I look like an idiot. So yes, that is Kyle's goal. Every episode. This to make us look silly, which I think is going to happen today. I feel too.
1: like I used to do this more with Jason, where I'd feed him. We, we'd mm-hmm. talk behind the scenes, and then he'd get to spring it on the other two. Maybe we'll find something this week, Jason. Yeah, I want to play a game. Okay, we'll find some some stats. What this is, is we're going to compare two players, and I want my two uh, fellow co-hosts to just guess what they think the answer is, when it's clear there is a bend in this answer. And the reason I'm bringing this out is more to have a dynasty discussion about Brock Purdy, okay? Just, just here's where we're at five weeks into the season, but what I did is I did some digging in the spreadsheets, and I looked at Brock Purdy's games so far in his career. He's had 13 full games. That's how I'm going to clarify this, because he had the game in the uh, NFC Championship where he threw four passes, was gone, and it was Josh Johnson. So I'm going to throw that game out. Is that okay?
0: Yeah, that's fair. He, he was not the quarterback.
1: Okay, so games that he played... I put it at eighty plus percent of the snaps. He was he was the quarterback, and I compared that with Patrick Mahomes over his last thirteen games. So both of these players over their last thirteen games that includes the playoffs. Okay, okay. So, um, who do you think has won more games in their last thirteen?
0: Considering the current record of these two teams, oh man, that's they're both great. I'm gonna go Rockfordy.
2: I was going to say, I think it's Purdy. Obviously, they're undefeated this year, but, and then they lost that championship game to the Eagles, but that doesn't count, right? So, are we undefeated? Has he lost a game as a starter? No,
1: just that playoff game. Yeah. All right. So, So it's got to be Brock Purdy. It is. It is Brock Purdy because remember, week one, Patrick Mahomes did lose to the Lions. Uh, So, it's 13 to 12. I wanted to start off there. Wins, whether you call that a QB stat or not, just want to throw that out there. But what about total touchdowns? Who has more? Total touchdowns over the last 13 games played. Patrick Mahomes or Brock Purdy?
0: Oh, my goodness gracious. Total touchdowns. I mean, that
1: matters for fantasy, right?
0: I'm going to say that matters a lot. I'm going to go. I think it's Purdy. I'm going to say Mahomes. You want us to answer Purdy. It should be Mahomes. You guys know (laughs) me well. It is Mahomes, but by one, 30 to 29. Yeah, I won. Oh, my god, 30 to 29 okay, so thirty to twenty nine that's okay. wild, isn't it?
1: What about rushing touchdowns though?
0: Well, then it's obviously brock it's it's purdy four to
1: two, okay now, I want to dig down a little deeper because Purdy has been efficient. The touchdowns have been there. He's been basically been like two fifty and two machine this past week. It was four touchdowns in terms of pure pass attempts. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you this right now. Patrick Mahomes has thrown the ball four hundred and twenty two times over that span. Purdy has done it just 299 times, okay? So there's almost 130 pass attempts difference between these two,
0: okay? Within 13 games.
1: Within 13 games, okay? So Mahomes throws more. That makes sense. Who has completed more 20-plus air yard completions?
0: It's got to be Brock or you wouldn't be asking the question.
2: I was going to say, I think it's got to be Purdy because when you think about Mahomes, MBS is running wind sprints out there and Kelsey's getting the ball 678 yards down the it, field
0: every play. It is actually funny you know on the course of the career Mahomes is an excellent deep ball thrower to Tyreek Hill but since losing to Ty- Tyreek Hill last year the entire season he was not really a deep ball thrower so th- this one is is clearly Brock Purdy despite the fact that you you think of Mahomes as a downfield yes. thrower and you don't think of Brock Purdy that way
1: Yes it's Purdy 18 to 16 and it kind of also reinforces the idea where Purdy is kind of seen as like, oh, he's just a game manager. You know, anybody can work in Kyle Shanahan's system. Like, no, he's hitting deep throws as well. And the last one, which is my favorite stat when I grade quarterbacks coming into the NFL, it's what I loved about C.J. Stroud, is can they hit the intermediate throws? The 11-19 to 19 yard throws, those are the ones that matter the most Over since, you know, what was that like december so 13 games who has more completions in the intermediate area of the field
0: brock purdy or patrick mahomes i i with the passing attempts i think it's going to be close but i'm going to i'm going to go mahomes i think that would just be pretty crazy if if in that range of the field brock is still better than mahomes with that total amount of passing volume difference
2: i think that's a good take I think it's still Purdy because when I think about Mahomes, I picture the little you know, uh, like touch forward when they run the sweep or whatever. When that counts as a pass attempt, you got screens left and right. I think it's Purdy.
1: It is Purdy, fifty-six to forty-three. It's actually a pretty big game. Fifty-six
0: forty-three.
1: <laughs> yes, this is what? where he slays. This is like his area. And the reason why I bring this up is because Brock Purdy is at a point now where we can't just say. Is he a system quarterback? He's a fantasy quarterback. Like he's the QB5 right now in four-point leagues. So my discussion is where does he belong in terms of dynasty? Because we talked about this offseason, you know, we did our Superflex ranking shows. There's a big six or seven with Fields and Lawrence kind of at the end of that tier is what we said. And then after that, it was Tua, who, would, who we'd say is probably way ahead of Purdy, but Does Purdy belong in that next tier, like after Anthony Richardson, would you put him ahead of Dak Prescott in Dynasty?
0: Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, It's, it's a worthy, it's a worthy conversation. Um, I think that Brock Purdy is legitimate. This offense is unstoppable, but the one thing you didn't bring up in all these stats to compare him to Patrick Mahomes is total yardage, which is you know when you when you score fantasy points, your rushing yards, your passing yards, your touchdowns. That's where everything is coming from as a quarterback. He's got the touchdowns. He's a touchdown machine. He's guaranteed to a game. Uh, we saw last week him throw four. Um, the The issue is total volume here. and when you look, he, he you know he's he's good on the season. But he doesn't usually have like monstrous week winning performances. I'm looking at last year when he was starting and playing very well. You know, three times he was in the top ten at the quarterback position. Two thirds of those times, though, he didn't even hit twenty points, and his high on the season was twenty one. So I I I think I still lean Dak there. I think it's I think it's
2: pretty close in my opinion. Um, You know, Dak's thirty years old now. Brock Purdy, not yet 24. He's got the weapons. They're all signed. Like, I mean, does Brandon Cooks have anything left? Is Gallup a difference maker? I don't know. Um, So at this point, I think the offense misses Kellen Moore in Dallas. I kind of lean Brock Purdy. It's one of those things where I've always
1: loved volume. Like, if I'm going to go for a quarterback who's mostly a pocket pastor, give me the volume, and you've been able to rely on efficiency – which is usually something we'd say like, hey, that's going to regress. And I think TD rate wise, we'll we'll talk about that later. It, it changes. But I think he's beyond a strong QB2. Like, I think he's more than that right now. And you probably can't trade for him in a two quarterback league because whoever has him probably got him for free. And he was their QB2. And now they're like, sweet. I plug and play every single week. This offense is going to score almost 30 points every single week. So... It's interesting because before the season, he was in the we don't really know. It was such a small sample size, and now we're at a point where it's like,
0: man, he just feels so safe every single week. So he he feels safe. He's got a safe enough floor, right? But he is not going to win people titles. I mean, in a in a two QB in a super flex where you need a reliable second option, he is he has a uh, an important role to play but i still you know this is this is a true pocket passer you know looking at his um starts last year the using the metric you said over 80% of his games he averaged 1.7 rushing yard per game uh, i believe it's up in the 4s now this year but this is a guy who is not getting any yards on the ground he's going to stay in the pocket deliver because their their plays are so scripted you know their their designs the shanahan designs are like you're gonna snap the ball, here's where you're looking, then you're looking there. There's not as much playmaking necessary. Um so I, I I still I still hesitate. I know he's been so consistent this year, and I don't want to denigrate anything he's doing, but for fantasy purposes, I still don't I don't believe he has a ceiling. I don't believe he you know, this last week was his highest performance for fantasy ever took four touchdowns to get to 26 points. He's not throwing four touchdowns usually. You know, in 26 points, you're like, Dak, Dak can get there. Dak can go out and have, you know, a 367-yard two-touchdown game, add some scrambling on the ground. Um, I I just – I feel like Brock doesn't have a ceiling. That's –
1: yeah. And that's totally fine. He's – but he's more than what uh, Derek Carr was that – you know, QB 13, QB 14, QB 15 early on, like, at least you could say this is an offense that it's the sum of all its parts and the parts are the best in the league. So I can ride with that now knowing, yeah, maybe it's low in QB one, not a ton of upside, but if you're in a super flex league, you got to be super happy bets. Any final thoughts on Purdy here?
2: No, I think we touched on it. You know, Jason made a good point of like, look, the ceiling is certainly not going to be there the way a Russian quarterback or a mobile quarterback is going to be. So that makes sense. But yeah, if you're settling him in as like, you know, a weekly like quarterback eight to quarterback 12 finisher most weeks, like that is so valuable in a super flex league, especially. So um, yeah, he's rock solid. And the best part is you probably got him for free off waivers or like a fifth round rookie pick or something like that. And now you're just riding it. So uh, it's fun. I will say too on Dak though, the rushing for him has really fallen off year-over-year-over-year uh, over year over year since that ankle injury. 45, uh, 45 rush attempts last year, 48 the year before. Like He's a pocket passer now through and through as well. And 12 carries through uh, five weeks of the season right now for Dak. So he's right there with Brock as far as his rushing ability at this point in his career.
1: And let me just be clear. I am not saying that Brock Purdy is better than Patrick Mahomes. I was cherry-picking stats because it's fun to bring up yeah. a discussion.
0: And some of those stats are mind-blowing. And also, Dak and Purdy are not on the same rushing level right now. Purdy Purdy doesn't run the ball at all. Dak is like, I mean, Dak's not great. Dak's going to be like 150, maybe 200 yards uh, over the course of the season, which isn't great. But like, you know.
2: Isn't it 200 since 2019?
0: uh, He's on pace right now for 153 yards. And that's when they're getting blown out and blowing other teams out. But my point is, like... what does it actually matter in fantasy, 150 yards over the course of a season? Yeah, but, I mean... Pur- is that, like, Purdy's, a handful of points? Purdy's... Uh, <laughs> last year, his pace was 23 total rushing yards over the course of a 17-game season. This year, it's, like, 45. I, I'm just saying. It's, I think the Derek Carr comparison, uh, Borg, is actually really apt. He was, like, a 4,000-yard thrower most years, threw enough touchdowns to be relevant, to never be a, a complete bust, to have a place... Ran the ball, you know, 80 yards for a lot of his uh, season. So I, I think if you look at Purdy the way that we look back on Derek Carr's career, I think that's what you're going to get. Yeah,
1: and we'll see what it's like beyond this year. You know, if he's the guy who gets an extension, they're not going to be able to keep this crew together forever, right? Like Kittle, CMC, Debo, they're going to hit the twilight of their careers sooner than we think, probably in the next two years. But it's really fun. It's fun to, to see somebody this far in the draft
0: show up, and uh, they're just good. I w- yeah, I, w- I will go back on my, you know, I- I'm always redraft focused usually from our main show, the Dak versus Purdy conversation for Dynasty. That's that's where, okay, The you know, he might not have the ceiling in, in individual games that, that Dak has, but he's seven years younger. This is a bitty baby boy. You're talking about getting a huge career from Brock out in front of him. Yeah.
1: All right. Let's talk about our main thing this week. Hello, everybody. I am back. We're going to talk bounce back. And In dynasty, it can be tough because you're projecting over the course of time. But let's be honest. You are playing for right now. You're playing for this season. So it's it's one thing to talk about value for players and say this is what they're worth for the next 4 to 5 years. It's another thing to say here's what this player did right now, here's how they can help you for the rest of the season and then maybe give some more context. So that's what we're going to do. Talk about a couple different players from these major positions. Should you trade them? Should you hold them? And I also wanted to start each discussion off with some stats that matter because a month into the season if somebody gives you somebody's, I don't know, yards per reception or their A dot or something else, it's so easy for that to skew. I mean, so easy. Somebody throws a hail mary at the end of the game, sixty yards, that counts as a target. That counts as a on their, you know, A dot. It really matters, and that skews everything. So, four to five games in the season, let's hold off on just saying this is who this player is, because things change, and things changed a lot for Justin Fields, guys, over the last two weeks. We had a discussion after week one that was like, this is bad, and it was bad for a couple of weeks. But I wanted to talk about his performance over the last couple of weeks, and I really wanted to highlight him as a thrower because him as a runner has never been something we've questioned. We've kind of questioned, are they going to use more design runs? That's the big conversation last year when they started giving him more than five design runs per game. The team was awesome. They averaged over 21 points per game and he was the QB, two, Like, he was awesome. This year, did they just decide, let's fart around again? Let's just have the exact same script as last year? Because that's what they did, right? The first Seems couple that
2: weeks. way. I, yep. They were farting around out there. That's for they sure. They got and then last year's script. They traded Chase Claypool.
1: Apparently, they just said, you know what? Justin Fields is better without Chase on the team. But he started getting more design runs in week three, week four. And then this past week, he had five design runs And he went bananas on Thursday night football, but not as a runner. I mean, 57 yards is awesome, but not Justin Fields, like 80, 90, 100 yards awesome. It was him as a thrower. It was four touchdowns, 282 yards. What are you guys seeing? I know we're going to put on our film hats for a little bit, but like, is there any difference of just his approach as a thrower that you've seen so far in the last two weeks? Because it's changed from just dink and dunk stuff to, hey, we're going to throw the ball down the field.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's what they were talking about right in the first couple of weeks. And and Fields even came out and he kind of said, like, look, these, you know, shorter, horizontal passes were the game plan. And sort of, uh, you know, when he said it, you, you could tell, like, he clearly was not a fan of that. And if you go back to his days at Ohio State, granted, I know it was an incredible offensive line. He had all the time in the world to deliver the ball downfield, but he was a good downfield passer coming out. And now you're seeing the offense at least give him the chance to do that. So I think that's been nice to see. I'm hesitant to say this is the new normal going forward, considering the matchups. Of course, Denver, we know the story there. And then Washington has shown some up and down play on the defensive side of the ball this year. Some good, some not so great. So, um, yeah, it's good to see. I'm just not sure, I guess, necessarily where the truth lies quite yet.
0: Yeah, he he has been absolutely awesome. Uh, the correlation between... Um twenty twenty three games without Chase Claypool and twenty twenty three games with Chase Claypool. <laughs> really been impressive. Um, there was a tweet that uh Nick Whalen put out, and I thought this was uh really nice, just to realize how good these games have been. Uh he, he went and did the research on just how special Justin Fields back to back four touchdown passing games are to do that week after week. Um, you know, you wonder, is is that common even in this modern NFL? The list of current quarterbacks to ever do it, Mahomes has done it five times. Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers has done it three times. Russell Wilson twice. Kirk Cousins twice. Josh Allen has only done it once. Uh, Watson once. Carr once. Lamar once. And now Justin Fields once. So this is, um, you know, a, a real special two weeks. And it has been in the passing game. Um half of it was against the Broncos, but half wasn't. I I you know, I came into this year obviously high on Justin Fields. He was a my guy. Um tried to encourage through the bad games to to stick with it. Yes. Um so I don't know if I'm just biased. I believe he has the talent and capability to upgrade as a passer. That you know, if I didn't think he could have been a good passer, he wouldn't have been a my guy coming into this season. Having seen it now in back-to-back games where he looks good, where he's freaking targeting DJ Moore like not a dummy, uh, you know, you finally get your wide receiver one. You don't see a lot of games where, you know, Jalen Hurts is like, eh, I'm not going to look AJ Brown's way. You know, it's like, the, you've, you've got an alpha. Uh, take advantage of it. I. This isn't the new norm. You know, this is a, a special outlier couple of weeks, but I do think that for fantasy purposes, he's going to be great going forward.
1: Yeah, and just to give some numbers to it, last year, 46.7% of his fantasy points came via the ground, which was insane. Like, when you get up to 40%, that's wild. Up to 50% is, like, historic numbers. This year, it's just 22%, which is actually a good thing. Like, to be able to say that this player can also get it done through the air, because if you didn't have the rushing numbers, you'd go, who is this player? Do I even want him... Like starting him at all. So I think you're going to see some of those numbers increase. And yeah, four touchdowns is, is an outlier, but two, you know, one through the air, one on the ground, like whatever it is, like you're going to be able to get more consistent approaches. And one of the things that I've been most impressed with is he's still being pressured all the time. 48% of his dropbacks is number one in the NFL. That's actually really scary, but they're using more play action this year. And he's completing 73% of his passes on play action compared to just 60% last year. If you can do stuff like that, that opens up bombs to DJ Moore and we know he's good after the catch. So the deep ball, all that's like, those are the things that we want. We knew that he was good at, bets mentioned, and you're seeing just a wide array of plays as opposed to let's throw a screen and let's not run the ball with this guy. So you're getting more design runs, you're getting deep throws. That's the fantasy goal.
0: Now, real quick, before we move on from him, since this is a dynasty show, I I think Justin Fields is going to be awesome for fantasy this year. I think he can win people championships. I also think that at the same time that that's happening, the Bears are going to keep losing games. And even if they don't, the Carolina Panthers are going to keep losing games. Yes. And should they get the number one overall pick, which right now they have very much the highest odds of achieving since they've got two horsies, uh, in that race, I, I cannot see the Bears not taking Caleb Williams. Like, that, to me, is what will happen. And should that happen, and Justin Fields leads them to a poor season, I don't know that he gets a starting job elsewhere. So for dynasty purposes, do you take these two back-to-back monstrous performances and try to parlay that into trading at the perfect high moment? Maybe you try to go get a Tua. Who has you know a longer guaranteed career ahead of him, even if his fantasy peaks aren't quite as high, or or trade him you know in a package deal for for something? Um, do you do that, or do you try to just use Fields to win a championship in your dynasty league? Now, I mean, would you be trying to unload him? That's a such a good question because it's
1: rare to have a player who is playing well that you're also afraid that he won't be the starting quarterback. You know, like Yeah,
0: this is a unique situation.
1: Yeah, so I think we can say that Justin Fields will be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Like some other team will be like, "Yes, please. I want this player." And that's how I lean, like, okay, let's say they do get the number 1 pick and they trade him away. They're going to trade him to a team that wants him to be their quarterback. So the situation wherever he would end up going, I think would be just fine. Like I like it doesn't it can't be a situation
0: where it's like this team is going to be 20 times worse. Yeah. So I I, I hear your logic. It's the same stuff that I've used with like Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, when people are scared about the Cardinals future, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if the Cardinals got the number one pick because they would trade him to a starter. I'm just not as 100 percent convinced that he would be a starter next year in the NFL. I think there is a world that exists where nobody trades for Justin Fields. Or he becomes a backup somewhere. Um, We also we also have to remember
2: too, like NFL teams and GMs, coaches think about these quarterbacks way differently than we do, right? Like it could be so fun for us to be like, oh, like these design runs are crazy, and the scheme is different, so it's better. But like, if he just fails as a passer moving forward, or next year if he does land on a new team, they're not afraid to move on. Like we see that year after year after year, right? So I. I mean, it's such a tough call because the schedule opens up very well for him right now. So, like, if you are a contender and he's your guy, I get it. I mean, Vikings, Raiders, Chargers, his next three matchups. You get the Panthers in there, the Lions twice, the Vikings again. Like, you can throw on all these teams, right? So, it's a good matchup.
0: Um, okay, so yeah, just I'm real just, quick, I'm you am not sold? Answer this question: Would you rather have Dynasty League? You just get to choose. You can choose to have Justin Fields on your roster or Tua on your roster. Who are you picking? I'm going to say I think I lean, I lean, to, lean to as well. Okay, that's that's 3 uh. It's see cuz I went to as well so no, it's like it. you <laughs> add 2 plus
1: 1 is 3 It's good math, Jason. I think my last little point on Fields is if you're going to trade him now, like if you're not a contender and if you say, you know what, this is peak value, there's so many variables moving forward, he could stink again, like whatever, whatever you think it is, then it makes sense to move on because you're trying to get picks for the future, whatever it is. But if you're contending, you just got to ride this. I mean, it's rare to to have a player that can hit 30, 40 points for your team, you know, just any given week. It doesn't really matter the matchup either. Like, he could actually do it. So um, we'll take a quick break and talk about one more quarterback. All right, we're back and we're going to talk about Joe Burrow, who through the first four weeks, I mean, doo-doo was the word that I could use to describe some of his statistics and his ADOT was 6.6, which is really bad. His yards per attempt, guys, was lower than Bryce Young, which blows my mind Wolf. that he would be using that. He had one completed pass of 20 plus air yards uh, through the first four weeks, one of them. And I found this quote from Burrow and I thought it was very clear. He said, my ability to throw hasn't been affected through this injury. Mainly my ability to move in the pocket, run for first downs, extend plays and find that extra second. So as a thrower, I don't think I've been worried apart from that week one game where, you know, it was rainy and gross and whatever, but he went bananas in week five against the Cardinals. Jamar Chase went nuts and... I also found this quote, Zach Taylor said he spent a lot of the game on the headset telling Burrow, stop scrambling, uh, throw the ball away. And Burrow just said, I, I didn't listen. Which, <laughs> Burrow is one of those players that we kind of have this case study the last couple years. Zach Taylor tries something, has a game plan for the first couple weeks. And then Burrow just says, screw it. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. It's very Rogers-esque. And you're seeing good fantasy production from it. So with Burrow... I wanted to gauge your temperature of how worried you guys were before this past week, before he went for 317 and three and just destroyed the Cardinals. How worried were you before? And then did that alleviate any concerns that you had? So, Betts, why don't you start first?
2: I mean, for Dynasty, no concerns, right? I mean, Joe Burrow's clearly the guy. He's locked in, he's been incredible since he's been a starter. So, there was never really any long term concerns. I think certainly it was fair to say, look, like the calf injury is a major factor but there seems to be other things going on that the offense is not functioning so it wasn't just the calf injury it was like oh man like I'm I'm worried about how they're looking um then you have the nice performance against Arizona which you know maybe was a little bit more predictable given the matchup uh that said it was nice to see and I do think like look they get Seattle this week and then you get the bye week hopefully T Higgins is back after that Jamar Chase still doing his thing so I think it's going to be all systems go down the stretch for Joe Burrow, assuming no uh, third aggravation of that calf. So, I mean, it was nice to see. I think there's little concern after the bye week. I hope he can get through one more week, and then it should be good to go, I think, for Burrow and his health with the offense.
1: Jason, what about you? What was your what was your concern level on Burrow?
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, long-term concern was 0.0. Burrow's a phenomenal player he's got an injury he didn't forget how to play quarterback there's none i don't think anyone in the world was like oh no burrow's lost it he's a you know he's not aging out he's right. not have uh, he, you know there's there's no one who was worried about that but as a dynasty manager myself like our champ 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 team has joe burrow and it's been killing us we're trying to go for the four-peat here and we're going home man we got to start like this last week we started brock purdy which was, uh, you know, we've got Brock Purdy and Derek Carr and Mac Jones, a bunch of clones, um, <laughs> and then we got Joe Burrow, and um, I'm just thrilled to see this performance so that we can stop fearing starting him. You know, when you have to bench Joe Burrow for those other types, it's, it's treading water. It's trying to stay alive until he's right. Um, we knew that, you know, Joe Burrow is going to be the person leading us to the playoffs, leading us in the playoffs. You just need to, to come through. And, and I, I believe what he said about, you know, at first you, you hear that quote and you're like, Oh, what are you talking about? There was nothing wrong with your arm. You, you sucked. It was time to throw it was the extra second, the mobility in the pocket that, and, and we saw that change. Like that isn't a box score, uh, statistic you can look up against the Cardinals. It wasn't just oh, he realized he should target Jamar Chase 19 times. It was he moved and extended out of the pocket. I I referenced on the main show the one of the three touchdown passes to Jamar Chase where the pocket started collapsing. He kind of rolls out to his right and throws back across his body. It was like this is the Joe Burrow we're used to watching, and we have not seen that. Like just that move. It's just a matter of like, oh, yeah, evade the pass rush a little bit, reset your legs, throw the ball. It takes an extra second. And he hasn't been giving himself an extra second. And now it seems he is. Yes.
1: One of the things that I love about the Bengals I mentioned earlier is just when they say screw it and their neutral pass rate just skyrockets to the point where they just say, bro, you're going to throw up 40 plus times a game. And it's actually good for our offense rather than just farting around. So one of the things that I was hoping for is like, man, are we just going to get pure volume from Joe Burrow? Because at the beginning of the year, you were getting volume. But it was inefficient, short passes, uh, with no time. So it was just like the worst possible combination. Put these guys in order. Okay, so I have Mahomes, Allen, Hurts, all ahead of Burrow and Dynasty. Okay, I think we all feel that way, the top three. Is Herbert still ahead of Burrow in terms of Dynasty rankings for you?
0: Yes. Herbert runs more, so I, I... You, they're both seen as pocket passers, but there's a lot more groundwork that Herbert can do, and so I will I will trust that as the tiebreaker. bets.
2: I mean, I think it's a coin flip, truthfully. Um, you know that I have a soft spot for Justin Herbert, and we love the Chargers and we're biased, so I guess I'll say that. But I wouldn't fault anyone that, that says that they have Burrow ahead of Justin okay. Herbert.
1: I feel like it's kind of like locked in that Burrow, Herbert are kind of that next little tier... Of quarterbacks that you can just feel confident in, would you rather have Lamar or Joe Burrow in dynasty?
0: That, that one, one's tough. Yeah, that one is very tough. It, it's it's ironic because the tiebreaker goes to the mobile quarterback. When I'm talking about the two pretty much pocket passers, but when you're talking about the flip to a truly mobile quarterback, a, a quarterback that you know, like when you're up near forty percent of your fantasy points come from running. You don't have as long a shelf life. Like, we've seen that with a lot of the guys. When we were getting towards the quote-unquote end of Cam Newton's career, um, I think we were a couple year, years early on calling that, but it, but it was still young, right? Like, you, you've you got Aaron Rodgers playing at forty thousand years old. You had Tom Brady going late into his career. The pocket passers will have more longevity. You know, Cam Newton, how old was he when it, you know, he was still relatively young for the quarterback position when he fell off the face of the map. I'll, I'll look up his, his age and when that decline happened. But I think when I'm in a dynasty, I love both those players. I'm going to go Joe Burrow just for the longevity.
2: Bets. Yeah. I've got to actually pull up Jason right now with, with cam. He last played in 2021, Yeah, but, but he was kind of signed like mid season. <laughs> yeah. He was sound like mid season. Um, he put up almost 600 rushing yards in 2020 with new england in 15 games so but before that like you know it was like 700 yards he had a 600 yard season um and early on his career he was pushing over 700 yearly so yeah he never like the midpoint of his career yeah i I, would say um, is when it started to to decline
0: even uh at 29 years old he threw 3300 passing yards had a good season um Got injured, was never the same, really. Never hit 3,000 passing yards again. So, I mean, you're you're talking about, I mean, that is super young for a quarterback to be like, oh, yeah, at 29, that was the last good year of his career. And he was dominant right. up to that point.
1: Right. And Lamar, I mean, so with Cam, it's like you're getting a goal line back. That's what he was with the Patriots at the very end. He was just basically a goal line back for them. But Lamar is a different kind of runner in the sense of, He's the greatest rushing quarterback of all time. Like he's going to yeah. break the record with still years to go. So um, I think I lean Lamar because I think that there's a higher ceiling every single year. Although Burrow just seems like somebody you could just say, Hey, he's got 10 more years. So let's move to running back. I want to talk about a player. You may have heard of him before. He went bananas this past week. We played him in DFS. Brees Hall. 22 years old. His opportunity share went from 39% week one to 40 to 54. And then this past week up to 71% and Robert. Saller. yeah, baby, He told us, right? This is one of those times you're like, thank you. Thank you. I can trust you at least for another week and went for 177 yards. Um, man. So I found this stat from uh football perspective. Brees hall has averaged 6.3 yards per carry in his 12 career games, that's the highest yards per carry average of any player in the first 12 games since 1970, and you can see it on the field when you get chunk gains after chunk gains, and sometimes he gets stopped, and you're like, come on, I know there's more there, but you know he's about to break another one, so Jason, just gush.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I, I couldn't love a player more than I've loved Brees Hall. He's been my guy forever. Um, Is he your Keenan we've... Allen? Yeah, I mean, I for sure. If uh, the way that you think of Keenan Allen is how I think of Brees Hall, I he's pretty much like my favorite uh, prospect. Everyone knows how much I loved Bijan Robinson. I think Bijan is unfathomably good. He was like, you know, uh, another guy that I mean, everybody loved Bijan. That wasn't special, but in my personal pre-NFL draft rankings, not necessarily after when you had second-round capital versus going in the top ten. But pre NFL draft, I had Brees scored out better than Bijan, who you know is you know a generational talent. That's what I've always believed in uh, with Brees Hall. It was nice to see. So there were there was some, um, I guess it was reported, uh, but it was kind of on the the down low. It wasn't like a widely known thing. But some reporters were talking about with the Dalvin Cook signing that the reason it took a long time was because they made it clear to Dalvin whose backfield this is and they wanted to make sure he was okay with it now they paid him like a starter and so then it was like oh wow is he coming into you know he's Dalvin Cook and he's getting paid a lot of money maybe this is going to be a one-two punch but now what we've seen and you go back in time and, and connect that with the reports that they were that you know that he was told like this is Brees Hall's backfield and you will just be there to support when that time comes and you look at what's happened with Dalvin Cook's snaps, 50% snaps week one, down to 36%, down to 25%, 17% this last week. He is an afterthought, and, and he looks terrible too. Um, but it's one of those situations where now we go, okay, this is Brees Hall's team. This is his backfield. He's going to get the volume that he needs. He looks healthy. It's full steam ahead. Now, obviously, you for this year, you lost Elijah Vera Tucker you lost Aaron Rodgers. It's not going to always be the Denver Broncos you're playing. It's not going to be as good as it was this last week. But I am in love with him as a talent. And it is his starting now for the rest of his uninjured career. This is his team, and he will be great for fantasy. Whatever by low window existed uh, two, three weeks ago
1: is gone. It's gone in Dynasty. There's no chance... You could have sold somebody a narrative that said, "Oh, Rogers, is, this offense is going to tank." You had a couple of weeks where he was getting no opportunities and it was bad, and he was angry. There is no opportunity tried,
0: to buy him. Yeah, right I, tr- I tried to. I tried to get him with a Puka trade uh, <laughs> yeah. a couple of weeks ago when it was looking real bad for Brees and throwing out a get puka. It done. Yeah,
1: Bets, I am going to phrase this question because before the season, we had Brees ranked comfortably as our RB two in dynasty. It was Bijan Brees. My question is, is there a giant gap between Brees and whoever's next at running back in Dynasty?
2: I mean, you think about the landscape, right? And like, I kind of talked about this last week with Andy and Mike. It's like, when you're trying to think about a trade target in Dynasty for running back, is there anyone you actually feel good about starting currently besides uh, CMC, Bijan, Dave Montgomery, like besides those guys, Austin Eckler, obviously the health, but like, Jonathan Taylor's workload is a question mark. And, you know, we lost Nick Chubb. You lose uh, J.K. Dobbins. Pollard, Pollard's uh, been a. injured. Swift, uh, you know, is one of those guys that you can plug in comfortably. But from like a dynasty perspective, there's a flip happening right now, like where these guys are aging out. The Ecklers of the world. We just talked about Dalvin Cook is done. Like now you're getting this youth at the position and these are the guys. So I agree with it. I think there's a massive drop off. If you really believe in a talent, which I think I do. all of us do, and the system, he certainly is in the conversation to move up a couple of tiers, at least, in Dynasty rankings. But you got for ETN, the youth you got the Walker. upside that these guys have, it's, it's these guys, I think. Yeah,
1: yeah it's it's hard because we, we talk about things transitioning, but it feels like those two are alone to me, where I feel like not just they're good, they're going to crush, but like value-wise, they're going to hold so much more than some of these other players like etn is is probably my f- three or four if i were to go oh there man. right now
0: do, are you kyle are you doing this on purpose to me do you know my main dynasty l- roster oh i know i know I, oh, it's Bijan, Brees, and ZT etn baby let's go uh, but I, I, I think Jonathan Taylor and Christian McCaffrey are ahead of ETN and Kenneth Walker in a dynasty league to me still.
1: Yeah. I think you can put I think three, four, and five, there's some combination of that. I think my main point was just to say like Brees just feels so rock solid despite whatever they have at quarterback this year. So um just need to bring him up, give Jason a chance to gush. Let's move to wide receiver, and I want to give some context for Jamar Chase, who Went Banana's 15 for 192 and 3. He's the third player since 1950, uh, with multiple games of 50 plus points. That's with Marshall Falk, Jerry Rice. Those are like Mount Rushmore players in the NFL and for fantasy. So that's where Jamar Chase is at. And through four weeks, guys, his yards per out run was looking pretty gross. His targets per out run was still looking fine, but there's a lot of things about Chase you're like. Is he going to be used the same way? Are we going to get these monster games? Is he going to catch a touchdown? Like, that's wild that we were asking that question. Of course, he explodes. Bets, you brought up some stuff on the DFS podcast about him being Offensive Player of the Year. And he used to be the favorite coming in the year. Went down. Now he's back up. There's just a lot to like, and they have a bunch of awesome games coming forward. I wanted to quickly ask this conversation, because before the season, I won't say I was, like, ridiculed, but I did feel like a very strong stance of saying, I think I would rather have Jamar Chase in a Dynasty League over Justin Jefferson. This isn't a chance to dunk because there's an injury, but does that feel even more secure now, knowing that Kirk Cousins is doesn't look like he's going to be the dude, it's a terrible season, and Jamar Chase is just rolling right now?
2: Kyle, how could you come on the show and dunk on Justin Jefferson. Oh yeah, my god! So rude, rude. That was oh rude. my god! To really this victory guy, lap and injuries. Oh, Unbelievable! Kyle. Oh my god! That is so it's Kyle. At Kyle. It's at Kyle underscore Borg on Twitter if you want to let him know. Uh, <laughs> but it's this is so funny, right? Because like you guys are the worst. It's a reminder of how quickly <laughs> you said it. Things can change in the NFL literally in a week, right? It's like oh, Justin jefferson's seeing so much volume. The Vikings are throwing so much. Now, like, is he held out through their week 13 bye with the hamstring injury? Maybe. Remember, he's looking for a new contract. So he's not necessarily incentivized to come back earlier than he's 100%. He's clearly a long term answer there. But Jamar Chase and the Bengals were broken a week ago, two weeks ago. Right. Everyone was worried. Now, now it's like, oh, things are great. So just a reminder, like, things change very quickly in the NFL. But we talked about it. I think it was with the, that show was with Mike, and we had just said, like, if you're going to look for one way or the other, which there isn't a wrong choice with those two because they're Correct. incredible, he's just tied to Joe Burrow. Whereas, like uh, Justin Jefferson, no clue what the situation is next year. He is good enough that he'll overcome any quarterback, most likely. But as a coin flip or, or a tiebreaker, I think it makes sense.
1: Jason, what's your take on. Because Chase is at the point now with T. Higgins out where he's just getting peppered with not just volume, insane volume. This kind of the stuff, like, I, I was trying to compare their situation, like, are they just going to go full Matthew Stafford Lyons, and he just says, you know what, I'm going to throw the ball to Calvin Johnson as many times as possible. That's kind of like what we could be getting right now. So what's your take on just Chase's outlook versus Jefferson? I know we're just, we're flipping a coin. We're not saying anything negative, but what's your take on between those two? Because they're, I mean, they're the two names.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think Justin Jefferson is bad just because he got injured no. like Kyle does. Um, of course not. Kyle Kyle's you would never super, say that. no I wouldn't say that um, yeah I mean uh, Betts laid it out when you're tied to Joe Burrow it's it's great I would certainly put Chase uh, above Jefferson in a dynasty league because of that you've also got now that the contract situation we, we you know once the league started and it was like oh Higgins is not going to get there was rumors oh they're gonna sign him they're not gonna sign him and I don't think they have the money now after the contract to Bur- Burrow so you're talking about going into not only how, you know, another game or two without Higgins, but then next season you're going subtract Higgins, keep a healthy burrow. Jamar Chase is going to be at like prime wide receiver dominant age. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, you're not going wrong with either guys, but Jamar Chase is the wide receiver one in Dynasty.
1: Yeah, I, and Bets, you're kind of throwing in some thoughts, but like the Vikings are one in four, right? And they're lucky to be one and four. They barely beat the Panthers. So it's like, they're one of those teams that we didn't think would be, you know, circling the drain, but they're at least in contention for a Caleb Williams, which is super fun, or Drake May. Drake May, I've I've watched some college football. I'm enjoying some Drake May film already, I can say that. So let's take a quick break and we'll be back. All right, we're going to finish talking about a couple of tight ends who blew up in week five. Give some context for the players. And I just want to say this with tight ends. It's gross half the time, but the underlying metrics we care about is, is this person running routes? Like, are they participating on the field? Uh, Usually we look for a route rate that's above 85%. If they're pass blocking a ton, that's kind of a red flag. Um, But we really care about, do they have big plays? Do they get targets down the field? So Dallas Goddard, was one of those players this past week who went off eight for one seventeen and one. Your Eagles bets. But I think I want to give credit to Jason here. You stuck up for him. I, I I listen on the road. You stuck up for that man like two or three times on the show this past week because everything was there. He was getting the slot snaps, second most in the league, second most routes among tight ends. It just wasn't happening yet. And then all of a sudden he blows up this past week against the Rams. And it was very early on. Like, oh, this is a blow
0: up game. So very early it was absurd he was the whole drive I mean they marched down the field you know whatever it was 75 yards and a touchdown on the opening drive for the Eagles and I think maybe like 18 or so of those yards weren't Dallas Goddard every pass was like I started laughing in Mike's face because we entered this game about equal in DraftKings lineup and then I just started going nuclear um Part and partial to because Dallas Goddard was was great. I mean, when you've got high-end tight ends in their prime that have proven on the NFL field they can be great, you don't go away from them because you don't have better options. You don't just get frustrated by three or four or five bad starts in a row. You have to keep them in your lineup because no one else does that. No one else can go out and go eight for 117 and one at the tight end position. What you're doing when you pivot to, you know, uh, I'm going to go – play Tyler Higby because you know he's he got more targets last week or whatever he can't put up a game like that and it, you know so there's been enough film with Dallas Goddard he is 28 years old he's on a great offense you just stick with those you stick with those type of options and the best part is he still gets targets and runs routes yes he is not one of those guys like the next guy we're about to talk about who is as elite as it gets at blocking. That kind of sucks when you're like a monster in the blocking game where you could just, like, you could change the game by being a lineman. I don't want that. I don't want you to be an offensive lineman. For sure. Bets,
1: you're you're our local boots on the ground, you know, for the Eagles. Non-biased. But, I mean, it was kind of inevitable that Goddard would have a game to break out because uh, before, the yards per reception were low. The 8-out was low. He had 88 yards on the season. But I'm assuming that was just talked up all week, and then he, he explodes.
2: What's kind of funny about this Eagles team this year is that whenever there has been a squeaky wheel, the problem is solved, right? Like, remember the A.J. Brown incident on the sideline against, I think it was the Vikings when Devonta Smith was going off. A.J. Brown's separate with targets a couple weeks in a row. Talk all week has been, where's Dallas Goddard? Why isn't he getting the ball? Pops off. Devonta Smith seen walking the sidelines, not thrilled last week. Oh, good. Just saying. Yeah, I was going to ask Just you about saying. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. stomp <laughs> around,
0: Devonte. I need you.
2: <laughs> but um, in all seriousness, like I think we're going to have a ton of games where, I mean, it's going to ping pong. It's kind of like George Kittle, right? Like sometimes it's Debo, sometimes it's Ayuk, but then there he is, Kittle. This same thing with with Dallas Goddard. But the Eagles have some games like they are going to be pushed a lot in the fourth quarter. They've got the Dolphins coming up. Uh, they've got. The Cowboys twice, the Chiefs, the Bills, the Niners—like they're gonna have to throw. And so, I think in general, like I'm, I'm very bullish on all three guys, especially uh, their big three with Goddard, Smith, and AJ Brown. Obviously, speaking of Kittle, he had three touchdowns this past week.
1: It was a nice birthday present. I don't know if you saw the the clip, but like afterwards, his whole family was there, like one by one, giving him hugs because it for his birthday. It was pretty sweet for him to get that, but. The scary part about Kittle, and I am a dynasty manager of George Kittle, is that there's no way I will ever bench him, and yet I feel
0: like fifty to sixty percent of the time I'm mostly angry. I am. I one hundred percent trading George Kittle. Like if I if I had George Kittle on a redraft league in a dynasty league, he has a monster performance like that. Like I've just been waiting for a monster performance to tell people trade George Kittle. He is super talented. He is. If he were to go to the Uh, to the Chiefs, he would be drafted at the 105. He is phenomenal. But this offense is a different beast. They use him in the running game. Most games aren't going to be his. And when they aren't his games, he has a lower floor than most of these guys. Like Dallas Goddard, when he was sucking, he's still getting four or five receptions, just not down the field. And you know, it, it wasn't usually as bad as George Kittle's bad games are crushing for your fantasy lineup. But you're right. You can't bench him. You have to wait and get this type of a performance. But what you can do is once you get that type of performance, capitalize, try to get a haul for him because teams are thirsty for tight ends. Go look at your league and be for like, sure. who, who is crying at tight end? And they will be very excited to get a brand new, shiny, three touchdown George Kittle.
1: Yeah, cont- They'll pay up. Contenders can easily look at their roster and say, hey, I've been rolling with, I don't know, Tyler Higbee or somebody else, Hunter Henry. And they're just like, hey, it's fine. But I want somebody that can like really be a difference maker. And let's be honest, George Kittle looks cool on a roster because he can go for 25, 30 points. But so what could I actually get? Let's, you know, help me out here. This is a rebuild team. This team's acquired some picks. It's got some great young players. I mean, I'm just killing it in the young players department. And I have the picks. So I won't accept anything less than a first round pick, though. And no. yet... People kind of don't want to give that right now for George Kittle.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you can do a couple different things. One, if George Kittle is your primary tight end, <clears throat> you might need to be receiving a tight end on the way back. Um, you know, it, this you, you might want to try to, dare I say it, look for Kyle Pitts Plus. Um, where you've got, you've got youth and and future, but you, you also get picks and something else, or you try to package George Kittle plus a pick of your own or, uh, you know, a middling player or two and try to get Mark Andrews, who's been, you know, maybe a little disappointing to, to some managers. Um, you know, that to me, if you look in it from a dynasty perspective, there's there's not a lot of tight ends I love. I mean, there's like Mark Andrews, T.J. Hawkinson, Sam Laporta, Goddard, Goddard. That's you know end of list. So if you can try to trade, you know, if you could trade George Kittle right now straight up for Sam Laporta, because someone's like, oh man, I'm just capitalizing on these four rookie games or five. You know, I would do. Oh my goodness, I would do that in a heartbeat. I feel like would you do somebody wouldn't do like that Kittle the- in a second? No, for they Laporta? very
2: well might not. What what bets? Could you do, like, Kittle in a second for Laporta? Is that a deal you'd make? Yeah, I would be fine with that. To get Laporta? I think I'd be okay yeah. with
1: that. It's it's so tough because, like, right now, I'm looking at rankings before the season. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to do a kind of redo where we go, hey, here's where we're at, how Dynasty rankings have changed a little bit from the top positions. But I'm looking at the tight end position. I'm like, man, there are a bunch of guys here that I don't know if I want to trade, and they're, they're young enough, like Pat Fryermuth. Eh. Don't really want to trade for him. It's like Evan Ingram, same thing as Kittle, the same area, same age. No, thank yeah. you. Dalton Kincaid. Okay. It's young enough, maybe disappointed, but this person spent a first round pick on them. So it's like wherever I'm going, I'm probably going to have to take tight end out of the equation and figure that out later and just say, this person needs tight end. I'm going to shoot for it and uh, try to get them to upgrade the position, but it's, it's hard. Like trading for a tight end that's over 30 is not a great thing, especially if people know that Kittle is the most volatile tight end. Like, it, would you say he's the most?
0: I would say he's the well uh, Taysom Hill's the most, and then and then George Kittle's the second most,
1: and then and then John yeah, When Smith. you think about
0: his his <laughs> Johnny, his
2: highs and his lows, I mean, they couldn't be more different, right? Kittle can come out for three touchdowns, and then the next week, literally, have one catch. So, yeah, he's he's wild, man, but. More wild is that Jonu is the tight end one in Atlanta. That's the worst. I hate it. All right, one more segment.
0: (laughs) Take it or leave it.
1: In the same vein that we've been talking about bounce back players for week five, let's call our shot here, people. Who's a player in week six that you think can bounce back? Just a parting thought. So Jason, I'll let you go first.
0: My parting thought on a bounce-back player that is going to be important for Dynasty's Ramondre Stevenson. He has sucked. Um, his schedule has not been good. He just came off of the New York Jets' awesome defense, the Dallas Cowboys' awesome defense, and the New Orleans Saints' awesome defense. They got shulacked. uh, did the Patriots the last two games. I think they're combined like 70-3 to three or something like that. Um, going forward, against the uh Las Vegas Raiders, who usually don't have a good defense except for this week. Uh the Buffalo Bills who lost half their defense uh this week. You've got the the Colts coming up. I I think brighter days are ahead for Ramondre Stevenson and at the running back position it's just so important in Dynasty. And I think uh I think fantasy managers who have I know this for a fact. Fantasy managers who have Ramondre Stevenson right now are worried that they have absolutely nothing. Like that they don't have a startable asset. And so, I don't believe that to be true. I think he uh I think he will be a startable important fantasy asset going forward.
1: All right, Bets, you're up next. We this city. It's
2: a good one. I was hoping you'd have the the drop ready. I am wearing the Pity City t-shirt currently in support of Michael Pittman. Um weeks 1 through 3, 11, 12, 11 targets. But over the last couple of weeks, it's been the wide receiver 72 And the wide receiver, 37 on the back of just six total receptions in two games. But gardner Minshew is going to be under center for four plus weeks. And I think we're going to see more pass attempts from the offense. So I'm in, in this game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are 23rd in schedule adjusted points allowed to wide receivers. Let's go, Pity City. I'm going to throw out Trevor
1: Lawrence right now. His TD rate is 2.8%. That's gross. Uh, His wide receivers have the third most drops in the league, but... There are some encouraging things. Per PFF, he has 11 big-time throws, which the way that they grade them out is these are really important throws down the field, big deal in close windows. That's tied with Jalen Hurts for the second most in the NFL. And TD rate is one of those things that doesn't really stabilize until you get about 250-plus attempts. So I'm not really worried about 2.8%. They beat the Bills this past week. He was the QB8 against these Colts in Week 1. So I think that Trevor Lawrence... It's not been great. It's kind of been meh, middle of the road, but I think he's in a good spot to be able to bounce back this week. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the Fantasy Footballers Dynasty podcast. If you want to get all of our rankings, go to the fantasyfootballers.com and get those, and we'll see you next week.
0: Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast. If you want to take your dynasty skills to the next level, check out thefantasyfootballers.com.